the gospel is summed up in that song. It's just submitting, if you will just praise his name, if you will just read the word of God, if you would just pray, if you would just obey. I mean, it's, it's it. It's you. You're the key. God says it's finished. It's laid out there. It's all ready for you. But the problem is we are stiff-necked, hard-hearted, don't like to be told what to do. Uh, you just ask any policeman. Uh, they'll tell you we don't like to be told what to do. Any teacher, when you're a kid in school, any husband, any wife, any child, we don't like to be told what to do. Well, this morning, um, I'm going to give you a pearl, a nugget in the Word of God. Not that it's been hidden. I think it's just been kind of forgotten about. Uh, I believe that uh, we are in, I don't think it takes, uh, like Bruce always likes to say, a rocket scientist to, to figure out that the church is in dire straits. And because of that, our nation is just about um, done for. I think it's the church's job to rise up. A stand between the gap between the living and the dead, the Bible says. It's uh, so goes our nation as so goes the church. That's just the way it is. We were placed here to be the light. And darkness is not stronger than light. But when light goes out, darkness takes over. And that's what's going on. And we need to be full of the Holy Ghost, whether you like this or not. This is where we're at. Uh, this uh, message just irks people. It bothers people. It bugs people when you talk about God, the Holy Ghost, because, again, we're talking to uh, what we were just talking about, Star Song. It's submitting. If you will just praise his name, that was cool. All those troubles will go away. And that's true because there is power in God, power. And we're missing it. Okay, um, why don't we stand? Ephesians 5. Just gave uh, just a little taste of this on Wednesday, but hopefully we're going to get into it a lot better. It's a command from God, Ephesians 5.18. Paul writes to them, he says, um, By the way, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with with the Spirit of God. As much as Paul is saying, look, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't be intoxicated with the world and the things of the world. The power, the money, the booze, the babes, the whole bit. Don't be intoxicated with it, but be filled with the Spirit of God. And that is where we must be. We must get to this point in God. And I'm going to show you, at least in my little pea brain, what I'm going to call the, the four stages of where we find ourselves in when it comes to God and the Spirit of God. And most likely this will probably spill over into tonight because it's, it's too massive for any one person. And that's what I was telling God over there. God, um, this is exactly what I said. Uh, God, I want to be used by you because what I'm about to, to try to speak or explain or teach or instruct, whatever you want to say, is too difficult for me. So, God, I want to be just like Balaam's donkey. You used him. God, just use me. He spoke words of power. He, wor he spoke words of truth. It has nothing to do with me at all. At all. 
Bruce, would you take us before the Lord? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Look, the Holy Ghost is uh, uh, it's typed in many ways, water, oil, wind. And I cannot help it, but every time I get to uh, talking about being full of the Holy Ghost, I can't help but think of Ron Holsher. Many of you remember Ron. If anything mechanical, that dude could fix. Uh, he's been home to be with the Lord, I don't know, three or four years now. And, and, but any time I would call him concerning my car, I mean, it didn't matter if the tires were falling off or if the, the exhaust wasn't gone. He would pop the hood up, and he would go for my oil stick. And every time he would go for that oil stick, I would go, please be full, please be full. <laughs> it's the truth because I know he would give me that look all the time. It's the first thing he would do and try to check out and see if this thing is full of oil. And then from then on, he would just go with the oil. He would feel it. He would even smell it. and He would look at it. And I always knew that I was in trouble because that's the first thing he would check was the fullness of the oil that um, was in my car. And so the Bible tells us again, don't be drunk with wine. He's saying, but be filled with the Spirit of God. And I don't, we're not. I'm just going to claim that we're not. Uh, because we've just kind of dropped the ball here. You come from all kind of different backgrounds. Many of you, it was like the... Um, uh, the, the vampire stage. Oh, you, don't mention that. You come from that type of church where they were, it's awful. Don't even talk about it. It's of the devil. It's no good. You come from all kind of mixed grounds. Uh, uh, seek not, forbid not, or whatever they kind of say. Then it's the Pentecostal fools that do such stupid and silly stuff with it. And they kind of just dropped it. They want to talk about it. Let's just be saved. Well, we're not. We're not and we cannot because our nation is dying it's absolutely dying, and it needs a church full of power and might. And it's in the Word of God. I'm not talking about comparing ourselves among ourselves. I'm not talking about looking at them. We're going to be like them. No, we want to be like Him. That's where we want to go with all this. Now, that word filled means to make full. You can get that, right? This is very simple. The Bible says a child can get this. We can get it. To make full means to fill up. It means to fill to the full. So that's what it means. Absolutely filled up. <clears throat> and I would submit to you this morning, I, we, on, I don't think it's any big argument that the church of Jesus Christ is functioning way below the full line. If the Spirit of God would come in, he might be like Ron Holscher. First thing he would do would be pop the hood of you or I or this church or the, what we would call the movement and check the fullness of the Spirit of God. No wonder you have no power. No wonder you're not faithful. No wonder you're not commitment. No wonder, no wonder, no wonder. And so it's just that simple. Now, Matthew 13 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant seeking goodly pearls. And this is what, this is going to be a pearl today. And I, I hope that the Spirit of God washes away all set tradition, all set teachings, all of them. Just washes away all of it, God, so we can just hear the clear word of Almighty God. <clears throat> and not tainted with 
you know, Pastor, uh, I don't know, Smith from 30 years ago taught me this and taught me that. Let's just forget that. Let's just have uh, Pastor Spirit of God uh, teach us because we're, we're in dire straits as a, as a nation. So he says, uh, seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great, great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And this is what I'm asking you to do. You've got to sell everything. Uh, empty all that stuff, all that tradition, everything you've been taught. It's teaching us, this parable is teaching us, in order to obtain something so awesome of this possession of the kingdom within us, we must sell all that we have, leave it all behind to get this thing. Whatever, whatever God wants to do. Now, I personally have gone from uh, a Catholic Catholicism religion uh, right into that full gospel, born again, tongue speaking, spirit of God stuff. Uh, it was quite a head spinner. Okay, I mean it really was. It just it just was. And I've always felt there's so much more, and I've declared that and said that for eons. And we have just got to find it. It's not hard, and it's not hiding. It's right there. Luke 14.33 says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Just laying it out that God calls for calling for you and I, we have to forsake things. We have to say, okay, no more of that. You show me, God. You show me. Now, if you're already going, mm, then you're done. All you can do is just sit here a while and hope the salt trucks get out. Seriously, this is where this is what happens to us as soon as I go a certain direction. You're church so much, you know what direction I'm going. So you're like, mm, just seeing what you do. The longer I wait, it's just because people get nervous and they'll say something. Look, we're caught between two worlds. I mean, we are. We're caught between two worlds. We are standing in direct conflict with one another, these worlds that we find ourselves in. The world we live in has such a mighty influence on us. Does it not? This world, fashion, if black's in, boom, you'll all be wearing black. If pink's in, boom, you'll all be wearing pink. If long hair's in, guess what, baldings, you'll, be, you'll, you'll stop shaving. You will. Uh, I don't know if Michael Jordan making shaving, and all of a sudden people are shaving their heads. If, if boots are in, ladies will wear boots. If Nikes are in, you got to buy Nikes. Converse are in, they wear junk shoes. Now they're in. If flip-flops are in, we'll all be in flip-flops. There are no socks, we won't wear socks. Why? Because the world has a mighty influence on us. We live in this conflict of this worldly influence. And sometimes even the Lord tells us it's very necessary for you and I to withdraw from the world, to get away from the screaming of the world, the radio, the music, the billboards, the commercials, the t everything. God says, get away from it so you can hear him and talk to him, not get caught up in all that. So you and I are in this conflict, and God's telling us to forsake all that. And it screams at us, you've got to have this. And tis the season to got to have, not give. Isn't it? Oh, yes. So this often clouds this worldly mighty pull influence. It often clouds our ability to receive from the Lord. Not alone tradition, religion, and all the things you've been taught. 
Jesus made it plain. Listen. Saying, when the Holy Spirit would come, he will testify of me. That's what the Lord said about the Holy Ghost. He will testify of me. You can find that in John. And he will glorify me. That's what we're wanting you to be full of. Someone who will declare Christ to you, glorify him, and magnify him in your life to him. Does that sound like a bad thing? Is that like a thing you should go, don't be telling me nothing. I mean, this is an awesome thing. In fact, it is so awesome, so powerful, that's why the enemy just screams through us as we attempt to lay this out. Because, and then we go like, uh, throw the baby, bathwater, everything out. Okay. He will also take the Spirit of God. Jesus says he will also take what is mine and declare it unto you. He will show you things that the Lord wants you to know. Do, see, go, hear. That's what the Spirit of God, and having the fullness of that, and the world screaming and clamoring, and God says, you've got to get away. As you get away, you've got to reject all that stuff. Or you won't get it. The minister of the Holy Spirit is not to promote himself. <clears throat> and anytime you try to start trying to zero in on the Spirit of God, people get scared. Say, You're promoting him. You're pro-. No, we're, <clears throat> we're looking at this as the Word of God tells us to. He doesn't promote himself or any man, but he glorifies and represents your Lord, Jesus Christ. You stay full of the Holy Ghost. You will glorify and magnify your Lord. It won't be Bruce. <gasps> Bruce, what would it be like? Bruce, what would it be like? No, they'll be going to Bruce. Man, what's with you, man? What's up with you? How can you have this joy? Can you can't be smelling? How can you when the world and the stock market and all this crazy and I ran? And he goes, well, let me tell you. And he will tell you, glorify God. So we're going to look at four stages that we can find ourselves in concerning the Spirit of God. Hopefully we'll get through the four because there's oodles more for tonight. You know, the, the Bible study that the ladies had on Tuesday was so awesome. I was so excited for this chapter to come up. It was powerful. The things that were said in there were unbelievable, okay? And Tuesday at 6 o'clock in the evening, what's it start to do? Slush and ice. I mean, the enemy is so obvious. He's garbage. Tell him that. You're garbage. Are you afraid to tell the enemy he's garbage? Because he is garbage. And I was pumped and excited to give you this thing. And when I went outside, I went... Oh, I said, oh, for Pete's sake, because I know what the enemy does. Then one of the person in that book's called Much Afraid. So as soon as you hear in a car, you're much afraid you ain't going anywhere. You shut down. That's it. And this is, you're going to have to plow through things that make you afraid, whether it's weather or whether it's most, most of those internal things that make us afraid. First stage, very simple. You're not saved. That's the state you find yourself in. The Spirit of God that's inside of you is dead. You're not saved. That's it. That's that first stage. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. That's it. The Spirit of God 
must be alive in a person. So this morning, I would like to assume you're all right with God, but I'll leave that up to God. The first stage you could find yourself in is you are dead to the things of God. The Spirit of God that was once given to you has died inside of you. Because it happens. Which we're all born into that state. And God's saying, you can't even call Christ Lord without the Spirit of God. So you understand, when God says you can do nothing, He really means that. You can do nothing, John Moore. You cannot stand up, testify, give God the glory, keeping power. I love Jesus. He's my Lord. God said, you can't do that without the Spirit of God in you. And so that first stage is you're dead to the things of God. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that you may <clears throat> that He may abide with you forever. Even, here it is, is one of the words, names, even the Spirit of truth. Now listen, here it is, whom the world cannot receive. If you're not right with God, you can't receive this, because it sees Him not, neither knoweth Him. So if you have never bowed your heart and knee before God honestly and truly, then the Spirit of God is not in you, and that first stage you're in is simply not saved. Oh, you could be churched. You can go to catechism. You can remember Scripture. You could color Jesus pictures, and you can know about Noah. Okay, so this is telling us that you are not right with God. And remember, there is a great danger of the Christian or of the church becoming worldly. Worldly. That's a big danger. That's where God was saying, look, you've got to stop all that. You've got to get away with me because we can become consumed. That is a mighty pull on us. There's two worlds of conflict we're in. Okay, well, James tells us you adulterers and adulteresses. Now, those are strong words. And why does he do that? Well, to the Christian, you're supposed to be married to Christ. And if you're playing, having an affair with the world, he says, you adulterer. That's the way it is. He says, Know ye not, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You're not right. You're not saved. That's what he's talking about. Real simple. Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He said, I'm going to breathe the spirit of life inside of the spirit of God coming inside of you. Adam and Adam and became a living soul, alive with the spirit of God inside of him. But then Genesis 2, 7 says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, Adam, for the day thou shalt eat it thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, we know that he did. According to the Word of God, Eve and him got deceived. Adam ate the apple, and the Spirit of God inside of him died. Adam didn't die, but the Spirit of God inside of him. So that first state is you're dead to the things of God. Now, look, if you're really born again, you remember those days. Don't you? I do. I mean, I sit in bars thinking, oh, I should be serving Jesus. I didn't sit in a bar and think, uh, go to the jukebox and look for the quarter and say, I want uh, uh, Tim Fields to sing How Great I Am. You didn't look for those kinds of music. You weren't thinking of that. You were dead to that kind of stuff. <clears throat> that's why then it says, um, you'll surely die. And that's what mankind has. And that's why you and I are born again with the Spirit of God dead in us. 
first state of man. And then John 3, 3 comes along and says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. So that first stage you can find yourself in, you're not into God, you're not into reading the Word of God, you don't want nothing really to do with it, you're dead in Christ. The first stage is becoming born again. <laughs> the Spirit of God comes back alive inside of you. Testimonies of that on Thanksgiving, were you here? They were powerful, powerful testimonies. So, that's the first thing. And I would have to say the majority of us here are not in that state. Second state is you're saved. You're saved according to the Word of God, not tradition, not religion, not denomination. You're saved according to the Word. John 6.44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You just can't get up in the morning and say, You know what, Ruth? I want to be saved. I think our whole family should be saved today. Let's tell them. No, it's a drawing of the Spirit of God as He brings you through whatever circumstances of life. You just can't do it on your own. Without God, the Bible tells us you could do nothing. So the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father starts to draw people to Christ. That's how you become saved. The Spirit starts to draw. Genesis 1-2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That was you at one time. You were without form, void, and darkness was upon you. And then somehow, by someone's prayer, or God starts to move on you, and the Spirit of God starts to move upon the face of the waters. And that word, without form or void, listen to this. It's, um, it's you're in confusion or emptiness. And aren't those a good word to describe being unsaved? Empty and confused. I used to think abortion, yeah, I guess, sure, yeah, that would be okay. And the, What? Well, once you get right with God, you're going, no. It doesn't matter if the baby is right or not. It's made in the image of Almighty God. Children are heritage from God, given by God. Abort that. Well, absolutely, you're crazy. Once you get right with God. So without form, you're in confusion and emptiness. And then the Spirit of God starts to move upon you. And that word, that literally means brooding over you. <clears throat> like if you watch those wildlife and those geese and whatever those things have eggs, and they brood over them, and they take care of them, and they're... And that's what the Spirit of God does to you in that saved state. He broods over you. As that animal does. Watches over you. He's the, the mother of the hatchlings. <clears throat> it's the work of the Spirit of God. Being drawn and then brooded over and then hovered over by the Spirit of God. And confusion starts to blow away like the psalm said. And you become born again. Ezekiel 37, same principle here. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, they were, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. 
Total void, emptiness, confusion, bones scattered everywhere, chaos, havoc. He looks at the man of God and says, can these bones live? Now, how many times you look at people's lives and you think, man, I don't think they'll ever get saved. Verse 9, Ezekiel 37, he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind which is a type of the Spirit of God. God the Holy Ghost, the third person, God, God, God. He's God. He, God. Prophesy to the wind. Son of man, say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And that's what the Spirit of God does. He comes upon those who are lost and void and in total confusion. And somewhere upon the way, through the Spirit of God drawing you, you say, Jesus, help me! And He comes to you. Total confusion, mess, life scattered everywhere. And that great testimony of the the fellow in John, he was saying, "I, I don't... I don't even know who he is. All I know is once I was blind, and now I see. That's the Spirit of God. That's being saved. You see. You understand. You can see the kingdom of God now. Oh, my gosh. Before that, you couldn't see anything. First state, unsaved. Second state, saved. And it's obvious the Spirit of God has much to do with that saved state. You're understanding this, right? Okay, uh, third state, this is where all the hoopla and argument and moaning and complaining and loading guns and all that stuff happens. But I'm sure not here. Third state, we, we find ourselves concerning this. Okay, first state, unsaved. Second state, Spirit of God and all that stuff moving in your life. Spirit of God comes in your life, brooding over you, hovering over you, and you are now saved, and you can see the things of God. Third state, God has a different, uh, another progression for you in this. And most people sometimes dig their heels in, say, that's it, that's as far as I'm going. And I would talk to one person about this years and years ago. You need to take this next step in the things of Almighty God. And the person knew it was right, knew it was true, but would not take it because it would tick her family off. And never did take that step. Okay, the third state, Acts 19.1. Here it is. And it came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain, what? Disciples. Believers. Disciples are students of Christ, followers of Christ. That's what you're supposed to be. Said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He already knew they were saved. He knew about the hovering of the Spirit. He knew about the drawing of the Father. And the Spirit of God comes in you. He knows about all that. And he still says to these disciples, There is another something here for you. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, Disciples, learners of Christ, followers, going to Bible studies, wanting to know about God, said, What? We have not even heard there be such a thing. So this could be the third state you're in. You don't even know. And then he goes on and continues to talk to them. He said unto them, uh, Unto what then were you baptized? They said, Unto John's. 
Remember, John says, you foul vipers, you snakes, you wicked people, come here and be baptized in forgiveness of sins. That's what they were baptized in. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance. This is absolutely essential. We explained that in the stage two. Saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. We know, you know that. This is, there's, no, there's no great hidden pearl here. We either lost a desire or we're stuck. We don't want to submit. Uh, we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to let go of control or our tradition or whatever it is. Matthew 3.11, Jesus says, I indeed baptize you with water uh, unto repentance, but he that cometh after me. I'm sorry, this is uh, not Jesus saying this, but talking about him. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, to even hold or untie. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Holy Ghost, and with fire. Baptism means to submerge. Look it up. Also means this, to overwhelm. Whoa, I love that one. I would love to be overwhelmed with the Holy Ghost. My gosh, and be totally changed and different. Overwhelmed. Submerged. The enemy is always coming about trying to put fear in your hearts, trying to scare you, boo, so you won't go near this or touch this or like it's a hot stove. Well, come against the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus for the sake of our nation, if you can't think of any other reason. So it means to be submerged or to be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. Acts 19, 6 and the Word of God is our role. We have nothing else outside of the Word of God. Remember, the Bible says your tradition makes the Word of God of what? No effect. Useless. Not good for anything. This, the Word. Well, forget the traditions. And I know how a lot of you have been brought up. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with new tongues. Woo! I said it! Let go of tradition. I was told as a Catholic because I was sprinkled with water when I was four days old, one week old, three weeks old, that I had eternal life. What happens if I'd have never challenged that with the Word? Having no clue? Who remembers when they're three weeks old? I'm supposed to make a confession to Christ. Come to Christ at at two months old. And understand it and realize it and have this unbelievable, overwhelming experience with God. I thank God I didn't hang on to tradition. That's what tradition will do for you. So Paul's talking to these people in this in this third state saying, What? What really? Look, we haven't even heard. And so they talked about the repentance and the Spirit of God and the hovering. All oh, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful that you're saved. He goes, man, you want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. And apparently they 
were forth. And Paul then laid hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with new tongues and prophesied. And it said, by the way, it was about 12 of them. About 12 guys. So you've got to look at this, and you've got to say, huh, really? So then you go on to Acts 2, 1, and 3. Some of the last words that Christ gave us before he left. Told them to tarry. Tarry here in Jerusalem. And so they're tarrying. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were uh, all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all full with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, gave them utterance. Acts 10.44, while Peter yet spake, he was uh, describing the things about God, just like he's speaking now, and the Holy Ghost fell upon them, which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, the Jews, which believed, were astonished. Well, what did they see? As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. Just submit to that. Now, if you decide, I'll stop, I don't want it, but just submit to the Word. It's true. Now, look, I know you can be a tongue-talking idiot. You can you can be a tongue-talking pain in God's backside. You can. Understand. So it's not like some level. It's not like some metal. It's not like you're better than that person. Because that's what we get into, and that's what causes others to go, <clears throat> and others look down on their nose, and the world goes to hell. But do not deny the facts. Here it is. A, there's another stage in this walk with God. There's those that aren't saved because the Spirit of God is not in them, nor do they want it. There are those that can stand up and testify. It's, I used to be a jerk. I used to be an idiot. The Lord is my Savior. And it's because the Spirit of God has come inside of him. That's why he can say it. And there's those who are stirred saying, man, there's got to be more. I don't even know it. And they go for this also. And they heard them. They heard them. They heard them. How else would you know I'm preaching? What are you doing? You're hearing me. Want to hear this preaching? (laughs) You hear it. They heard it. They were astonished. They were shocked. The uncircumcised, the Gentiles, that's how the Jews had that. That's all the enemy does is constantly divide us. Because they heard them speak with, was undeniable. They heard them. So it's not the only evidence. It's not the only, I know that, love, I understand all that. But they heard them. They heard them. That's what it says in the Word of God. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? There he just said, okay, you've heard them speak with. Now, we're going to go baptize them because they received the Holy Ghost. Can you deny them that? And, of course, they'd have to go on. No, or, or, unless they're just in their church. No, they're not saved. I don't care what they said. 
And that's, that's what's going on here. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed, and, um, and then they tarried certain days. So that's another stage. <clears throat> Not saved. You're saved. The brooding, the spirit, the drawing, you still sense the spirit. Not saying you do not have the spirit. And then God says there's another stage. A baptizing, a submerging, and overwhelming of the spirit of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you this kind of stuff, but I speak in tongues, okay? I do, because I believe the Word of God. But that does not mean I'm in this next stage. No, that, that, that's the stage. Some don't want to leave this stage. It's beyond me. Why? Why you want to stay unsaved? I, I don't understand that. Then there's two. This is where the majority, I think, the people of God are. Saved. I'm not saying, I don't know what you are. Saved. I don't know if you're satisfied. I don't know if you're scared. I don't know. But that's where a lot is. Untaught, unlearned, don't want to, all, all that stuff. And then there's another group that goes on to this. Okay? And I know a lot of dumb stuff, stupid stuff, foolish. I know all that. I know all that. But each, I believe each step gets smaller. I, don't, I believe that you can discern things from here. But if you're walking in this, I believe it will be sharper, more, more, more alert from God. And then this one over here, that fourth stage, is being full of the Holy Ghost. If we declare that tongues because they heard is the initial evidence, that doesn't mean you're full. When they were in the Titanic and they were going, hard left, hard left, and they nailed the 20-foot piece out of that, was the initial evidence. That there was a huge ice mountain submerged under the water. Hard left, hard left. We, many stay here and think this is some t trophy, title, pin, and you're better than them. That's how we get screwed up, and that's how the church, that's where the devil wants it, as long as they go to hell. Amen. That's where it is. Okay, 11.25. Now, the fourth stage. The fourth stage is being refilled with the Spirit of God. You can be submerged and overwhelmed here in the Spirit of God. And then sometimes like Star Song, when she went like this, everything's falling apart. Everything. Everything's coming against you. You get just slop kicked out of you. Okay. Acts 4.1. And they spake unto the people. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Bring grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. These are the disciples who were filled with the Spirit of God, walked with the Lord, all this kind of stuff. These are them. And they were speaking about the things of God, and here came the legal people, wanting them to shut up. And so they laid hands on them, put them in the hold or in the jail until the next day, for it was now even time. So it was nighttime. They threw these guys who were preaching the Word of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, in jail. The people that made it to this stage, they were full of the Holy Ghost. You see, you're in a world of conflict. You're, you're living in a world of conflict. And if you don't get away, you won't last long in that stage. You won't, because the world hates that stage. Verse 8. Here it is. There's proof. Then Peter... That's one of them. Filled with the Holy Ghost. 
said unto them, here he is, and Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto you rulers and elders of Israel, listen up. Peter was one of them. Then get on to verse 13, we'll find another. Then when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, so I'm pointing out, here's Peter and John it's talking about. And I'm laboring on this for a reason, and you'll see. Is it Peter? Is it Peter and John that was walking by the, the guy at the gate beautiful? He said, Gold and silver have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Rise up and walk. Because they're in that fourth stage. God was able to use them. Much more than this stage, it's the way it is. Much more than this stage, certainly, much more than this stage. It is. <clears throat> now so now they saw the boldness of Peter and John perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Something out here made them marvel at these guys. Now, if you're a fisherman and that's your job, no offense. But they looked at them as dumb, ignorant fishermen. And it's what I said to the Wednesday night crowd. Who... who Watches uh, Deadliest Catch. How are those guys? Are they proper English and proper nice and nice? I mean, they look like, right? <laughs> Don't they? And they'll, and they, I mean, that job is, they, you know, have the camera and it's always bleep and get the bleeping away from that cuss word, hurry up and. Right? <laughs> what the cuss word you doing and. You're, who watched it? Come on, stick your paws up. Have you seen it? It's kind of neat. Not that, but I like that show. <laughs> They're the waves that come over. I mean, it's amazing. But that's the fishermen. That's what we become. Someone told me they just got honored at a truck driving so many miles without, and they went to the place, and there was an area that was talking, and it, it, it even stated, no foul language. And the person wrote back to me, and I was so glad because you know how truck drivers talk. You know, I get an amen, truck drivers. I mean, that's what we do without it. That's what we think is manly and powerful and spit and chew and cuss and smoke and drink and belch. and It's the truth. You guys are really churchified. You forget you were like that. You are. It's what I call church disease. you got to be able to remember. So here they are, Peter and John. They perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What a statement that is. Has anybody ever done that to you? Run up to you and went, I marvel at you, Pat Fisher. I have totally marveled at you. I believe, Pat Fisher, you have been with Jesus. That's what they are, heathens. They marveled. Have they ever done that to you? Run up to you? I marvel. I marvel about you. That's what this no, that's what this stage does. It's not you. It's the power of God comes up, overwhelms you. That's where Moses' face was changed. But we slip right back into this one. 
We can speak in tongues, but we don't hardly have an ounce of the Spirit of God. And then most a lot of us slip in this one. Well, my mother said, and my dad, and this and that, and forget. And the world, it's, it's the truth. This is just where we're at. The Spirit of God is the power of God, the dunamos, the dynamite of God, the dynamo of God. That's what it is. <clears throat> So now they find themselves in legal trouble. Verse 18 says, we told you, dude, we command you not to speak at all and teach in his name. I mean, that stuff scares us. It does. Intimidates us, barks at us. People, you know, you think I go, yeah, when I read in the paper, a pastor was gunned down. Uh, I remember it was this year was a, a lady pastor in uh, Chicago, was stripped naked and put on a cross and killed in the backyard of some, in Columbus. You think I go, <laughs> bring it on. No, that scares me. That bothers That intimidates me. And so after stuff like that and your faith, you fall into this group again. You have to be refilled with the Spirit of God. You're in this war. You're living in this conflict constantly. Constantly. Ruth and I, Ruth loves Christmas movies. They're out like crazy. And, and, and so we're down in our uh, basement and we're turning on Christmas, you know, and that's about as safe as you can get, the old Christmas. And um, Ruth fell asleep. And I woke up, and this one Christmas was over so many hours, they watched it, they changed. And I put it on 55, which is old, old movies, all black and white. Remember that? I don't know what your channel is, whatever it's called. But I'm out. I'm out in my chair, and Ruth's colored up, and she's back towards the wall, which I was so thankful for. Because at 2.10, I wake up, I'm going to wake her up, there's nudity. I got this nine-foot screen it's the truth on that old I was like I mean if you guys got DVR you can check the, the guide I was like what channel am I on and it was 55 playing I mean out and out nudity you live in a world in conflict war constantly even in the sanctity of your own home wanting nothing to do with that boom We must. And so what happens? Even inside the church, disagreements, bickering, moaning, complaining. I didn't even got to that one yet. You end up back here. You do. We wound each other badly. It's a shame, but we do. So now they're in legal trouble. By the grace of God, God gets them out after all the threatenings. Uh, While well, I was emphasizing John and Peter so much, because they were full of the Holy Ghost. Peter stood up full of the Holy Ghost. And what's he do when he gets out? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God in boldness. They were going, oh, my God. If we'd ever get out there, man, I was really scared at one time. Well, at least we gave them the word. And they prayed and got full of the Holy Ghost with boldness again. We don't. We don't. Most of us take your ungodly tennis shoes or shoes off. You put on your saved ones and we stay right here. 
We do. We do. We stay right here because full gospel and Pentecostal has really made that look ridiculous. Really look ridiculous and silly. I'm not asking you to go there. Because if I find you there, we're calling you up. And we're telling you, you're in the wrong room. That's not what I'm talking about. If you have come here any length of time, that doesn't go on. But I'm asking you, I even knew about this other, or I have been so terrified about this other, or I have been taught so wrong about this other. That's why I said, it's a pearl of great price, and it's going to take all you have. Take all you, all you have. And that's where the, the decision, how much of God do you want? You've got to go against, man, I ticked off every Italian Catholic in my family. Upset them. When I went against tradition, but now the, the advantage of the mercy of God, I'm still alive. I've got to see all that that did. I got a father in heaven who wouldn't even, uh, my mother's not well today, but I would have preached it anyway if she was here. Now she's, and my Aunt Mary. And old Italian relatives that would get word to us that I'm sick and back we would go. Now what if I'd have said, and I can't break tradition. I mean, you know, Italians, and I was into being Italian. I'm telling you, I was into it. The wine, the homemade wine, the grapes, the song, the Italians, the whole mafia thing. I was disappointed when we weren't in the mafia. It's the truth. I think I'm kidding. It's the truth. Sometimes Joseph will come home and he'll say, Dad, you know what? They think you're in the mafia. <laughs> Sometimes I think, cool. <laughs> Just a different one now. Yeah, God's mafia. <laughs> come to Christ and we break your face. <laughs> Look, I know, I know that some of you suffer under teachings and, and you've just got to lay before God. That's all. Just lay before him. I'm not going to command you come up here and speak in tongues. I'm not going to do that. Not. You know, uh, the, that foolishness that went on, did that. They would say certain words, say this. No, you got it. Come on, please. I can't stand that. You have to figure out what stage you want to live in. You have to figure out what you want to do for God. I'm saying that our, our dear nation needs the church, this church, to be here and see what God does. And men, you will have to die to ego. You will have to die to it. Especially men. Acts 6.2 says, Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and, say, and serve tables. This is where they were picking out people for the ministry. Serving tables. Serving tables, just our ushers. Our ushers. Our ushers are supposed to be gatekeepers. They're supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's not like 
Okay, we're full of Holy Ghost. Now let's go get some ushers. Okay, well, he's saying, he's saying we want to be ushers. That's what we do. Whether that's what we just do from knee jerk or taught or whatever it is, or I don't know. But they said, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That's what God, God is wisdom and guidance to you. He's full of the Holy Ghost. Whom you may appoint over this business. And how about Stephen? He lived in that. And you know what? He probably didn't even live long in it. But he lived in it. And Stephen, it says, be, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. You're not going to see that here. You're going to sense the glory of God. You're going to see things. Man, when I was here, I thought, man, this guy's so beautiful. And then the thunders, it's like, man, that's like God's voice. And the lightning cracking. It's like, yeah. But God will show you different and more and more. He will. He just will. Tell you, Star Song was the key. She would go like this. If you will praise him, then your problems will go. Will go away. Or you can open the door of the depreciation room and just watch the movies over and over. I'll never get oh God just can't stand this. I hate everything. So I'm going to be tacking more of the Spirit of God tonight. I don't even know in what, but I'm going to. So these are the stages. Michael, I'm, I'm set for you. You want Star to do that again? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Star, where are you? Now, look, look. Star's not up here to perform. Okay, so I'm not looking you to stand there and stare at her. I'm. We're calling her up here for God to use that song. To minister here at the altar. But hopefully, maybe just a little bit, you've been a little bit given an appetite to want to move on in the things of God. And trying to say, man, you know what? I think things have held me back. I think certain things, certain beliefs, certain ideas, certain attitudes, motives, whatever, hold me back. And God is saying, look, get away with me. You live in a world of unbelievable conflict. Get away so that I can speak to you. And that's what our altar call is. As Star again presents the word through song. Our altars are open.